When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Harbin, senior editor behind steelcurtain.com with another episode of Let's Ride Your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday podcast. It is Friday. It's a big day, big show coming up. We've got Blue Check back coming up in the second half. I've got my heart-to-heart to finish the show, so you don't want to go anywhere. You don't want to go anywhere. We're going to be talking about Steelers Super Bowl memories. My Steelers Super Bowl memories. Some are good. Some are fantastic. Some are not so good. But we're going to talk about all of those. Before we get to that, I do want to mention that BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all things Steelers. Honestly, we have everything for you. We've got now. We've got Super Bowl odds, expert picks for that game. Uh, we have uh, film rooms. I know we have some great stuff coming up with Jeffrey Benedict, Dave Schofield's exit interview articles continue. Make sure you check it out at least once a day. It updates multiple times a day. BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, the podcast platform. It's doing great, continuing to do great. We are, again, for another month, the number one podcast in all of SB Nation. We appreciate you, the listeners, and everything that you provide for us. Last year, it took us till I believe it was May... I believe it was May until we were able to crack 1 million downloads for the year. Okay? So I'll say that again. I believe it was in May. I'm double-checking right now. 
when we were able to crack 1 million downloads for the entire calendar year. That's pretty impressive when you think about it. Yes, I was right. May 18th, Brian Anthony Davis sent this message. On February 10th of 2022, we broke 1 million downloads. That's incredible. I, I'm just going to put those numbers out there for you. We're doing it's, – it's all because of the listeners. I mean, yes, we are trying to put out a product that you don't want to miss, that you don't want to take time off, that you don't want to take a break from the Steelers because you have grown attached to these podcasters. That's what we hope. Well, but you have to listen. So thank you very much for all that. Our success is your success, and hopefully it equates to the Steelers' success this season. I'll put it that way. You know how we start shows off on Friday, though – as a part of this Let's Ride podcast, is random thoughts. Now, I always throw some news in there all the time, so the first random thought is based on the fact that the Steelers made two coaching hires, I guess. It was weird. First was Frisman Jackson, wide receiver coach, and Dave Schofield, I believe it was, who threw this into the uh, breaking news channel on our Slack group, and I said, wide receiver coach, don't the Steelers already have one of those? Yes, it was Ike Hilliard for the last two years. Come to find out Ike Hilliard's contract expired and they did not renew it. Therefore, they are now they were looking for a new coach, and Frisman Jackson is their guy. Coach for Carolina for a while, has been around the league a little bit. We'll be interested to see what kind of impact he can make with a still very young wide receiver group. Whether Juju Smith Schuster comes back, it doesn't matter. Even if he does, still a very young wide receiver room. And then also, the move that we knew was going to happen became official. Terrell Austin, the new defensive coordinator. So the Steelers did interview some people uh, outside of the uh, organization, but we all knew this was coming. You shouldn't be surprised by this news. We had the pre-write ready to go at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Dave Schofield did that. Thank you very much, Dave. And so everyone's always now, and this is going to bleed into my next random thought. This is what everyone now is saying. Oh, it's it's Mike Tomlin's new mouthpiece. Oh, Mike Tomlin's just going to handcuff Austin and he's not going to be able to call the plays. And this got brought up because Lovey Smith, who was hired as the Houston Texans head coach, Lovey Smith, who was the defensive coordinator last year for the Houston Texans, has told the media that he will continue to call the defense in 2022 as the head coach. My thought process is, is anyone down in Houston, not that there's a lot of people that care down there, but is anyone down there saying, oh my gosh, he's not going to be able to do this. How could a head coach call the plays and coach the team? You all do realize that there are a ton of head coaches in the National Football League that do this, whether it's offense or defense, doesn't matter. I mean, you do all realize that, right? And I'm also not going to say that Mike Tomlin is the type of coach that is going to be so controlling that he does not give that particular person the green light to make the call that they want. Now, the one thing I will say about this, Terrell Austin was brought in under Mike Tomlin. Keith Butler had been in the system. That doesn't mean Mike Tomlin couldn't have gotten rid of him. He could have. But he had been in the system well before Tomlin came, I believe. Butler was hired in 2003. Tomlin comes in in 2007. So this is something that maybe, just maybe, Austin and Tomlin will work well together, and they will be a formidable group. I would be interested. Maybe I'll put one of our film room guys to the task, because it was the Baltimore game in Week 18, the 17th game of the season, where Austin and Tomlin were coaching the defense up that week. Remember, Keith Butler was out. COVID protocols, 
And so it was Austin and Tomlin that were calling the defense. Did it look different? Did they do anything different? We'll have to see. Next random thought. There's a lot of people. I've heard this on what Yen's talking about for a few weeks. We talked about it on the random channel. I know Dave Schofield, he talked about it a little bit on his Stat Geek podcast on Thursday morning. It was all about Deontay Johnson. As There's this growing sentiment that the Steelers need to address his contract now. I'm aware Steelers do address some contracts prior to that contract expiring. For Deontay Johnson, who was not a first-round pick, there's no fifth-year option, I am not even entertaining that as an option in 2022. Let him play out his rookie deal, then address it. Will it maybe cost you some more money? Possibly. But that's a good problem to have because if it costs you more money, that means Deontay Johnson is actually playing well enough that he's boosting his stock. Some people want to give this guy a contract. I'm not there yet. I like him. He brings a lot of value. I'm also really curious how he will perform with a different quarterback. Not sure who that quarterback is. No one does. But Ben Roethlisberger clearly had a connection with Deontay Johnson. He got him the ball early and often. I'm not going to pay him until I see him with another quarterback. I think Deontay Johnson is very talented. I hope he stays in Pittsburgh, but I'm not giving him that contract right now. No way. Let the trade talk begin is another another random uh, thought for me. Uh, Our own Andrew Wilbar put this on our random Slack channel where uh, Chase Vinovich of uh, the New England Patriots, who's a Pittsburgh kid, went to Michigan. They're saying that maybe he's on the trade block. Will the Steelers make a trade? Now, everyone thinks trade. They think quarterback. My thought process is will they make a trade in general? Will they make a trade? You got to remember that they have done this before. They traded for Chris Wormley. That was with the Baltimore Ravens. People sometimes forget about that. They have made trades before. Would they do a trade to bring someone like a Chase Winovich into Pittsburgh? You think about him as a pass rusher. Could he be that number three guy that they've been looking to get? It wouldn't be a, I don't think it would be a damning statement about Alex Highsmith, but it would ultimately be something that could be interesting. Again, this trade talk is just trade talk at this point. Okay, the last random thought for me is there's been a lot of people on Twitter that are doing the one more year for Ben Roethlisberger. Now, you, I've said this a million times. You're not going to find a bigger Ben Roethlisberger fan than me. But there also comes a point where you have to say, I think it's time. I know that when Jerome Bettis finished his career at Heinz Field against Detroit, Brian Anthony Davis was there. He's told that story a number of times. They all chanted one more year. And that was great. But I think it was time for him too. There comes a time in someone's career where you see the writing on the wall. And you you read Jerry Dulac's chat transcripts or whatnot, and he talks about how Ben would have wanted to come back. I think the Steelers looked at it and said, I think it's time that we we got to move on. You're going to have to move on at some point. Ben Roethlisberger got you to the postseason, nine wins this year, but it was time to move on. The one more year stuff, I'm just not getting behind. I just think it's time for this organization, especially with a big regime change happening with Kevin Colbert retiring after the draft. It's time to move on. As much as it pains me to say, it's time to move on. Okay, let's talk about the Super Bowls. The Pittsburgh Steelers Super Bowl. Super Bowl memories. Now, for those that don't know, I'm 38 years old. I will be 39 in a little under 10 days, 9 days to be exact. And it's one of those situations where I have not been alive for all the 70s Steelers. I know Brian Anthony Davis always jokes that he was dropped 
during the Immaculate Reception as a baby. Like That's not me. I was not there. I've heard stories from my father, from other relatives that were alive during those 70 Steelers, but not me. For me, I've been alive for four Steelers Super Bowls, and they've each had their own special place with me because even in the losses, even in the losses, there were memorable moments for me. Um, I think back, and I've said this on the Steelers preview when we were asked about it once, when was the year that you really became a huge Steeler fan? Because, you know, you grow up in, in, in my case, Wheeling, West Virginia, which is Pittsburgh territory. Everyone there roots for Pittsburgh. It's the Pirates, Penguins, and Steelers. I fell in line right away. But it wasn't until the 1994 Steelers that I really really started to like this football team. Barry Foster was the running back. They were so good on defense with Rod Woodson, uh, Kevin Green, Greg Lloyd, that Blitzburg defense, Chad Brown, LaVon Kirkland, Darren Perry in the back end, Carnell Lake. Um, I could go on and on. That was the team that I was just, man, they were so good. And that year ended in, I don't, it was really disappointing that San Diego Chargers lost in the AFC championship game at Three River Stadium. But then Super Bowl 30, 1995, that was my first Super Bowl. Now, again, I'm telling stories here. It's not going to be a recap of the game. Go back and watch the game again if you want. But it's one of those things where my family, or more specifically my father, he had a coworker, And his coworker, they were both huge Steeler fans. And what they decided to do in the playoffs is whichever round they were in, they would always rotate from house to house. So the wild card round, if we hosted the next weekend, we'd go to his house for the divisional round if the Steelers won, AFC Championship game at our house, Super Bowl would be at his house. And that's exactly the rotation that happened, which put us at my dad's buddy's house for Super Bowl Thirty. I could tell you exactly where I was sitting, one of those huge, huge, old jumbo screens that had the giant tube in the back, big screen TVs. Kids today wouldn't even recognize this monstrosity. And I, it was a day that was filled with running and getting my dad a lot of beers. Uh, but I remember a lot about that game, that young Bill Cower team that was just so full of life. Like they mirrored their head coach, the onside kick. I remember those interceptions. It was, I, what I remember the most about Super Bowl 30 was the finish. I remember when it was done, and we all were just sitting there, kind of like, now what? Like, now what? This team was so special, now what? And it was, no one thought it would take them 10 years to get back to a Super Bowl, but still, that, I have a lot of really good memories from that game. Some things that my father said that I can't reiterate or repeat on this podcast, uh, if I want to keep it clean, uh, I'll put it that way. But a great game. The Steelers were heavy underdogs. Should have won the game if not for those two Neil O'Donnell interceptions. They really had the Cowboys on the ropes. Nonetheless, Dallas wins 27-17. And then we all know Super Bowl Forty, A magical season with Ben Roethlisberger at the helm. Uh, the, the first ever number six, the six-seeded team to go and win all those road games en route to the Super Bowl. Um, the first Super Bowl Thirty was in Arizona. Super Bowl Forty was... Uh, that was in Detroit. We all know that. Sending the bus home, sending the Jerome Bettis back to his home home city of Detroit, Michigan. And that was a game that I watched with my brother. I was at my brother's house, and it was really weird watching that game. I think a lot of it was the fact that 
there was so much emotion in the lead-up to Super Bowl Forty. When you think about the wild-card win over the Bengals, Carson Palmer has his knee torn up uh, by Kimo Von Olhoffen as he rolled up into him. Uh, then the Indianapolis Colts divisional game, crazy game with Vanderjack missing at the end, Ben's tackle on after Jerome Bettis' fumble, the AFC Championship game in Denver against Jake Plummer and the, and the Broncos. It just seemed like there was so much that we had already been through emotionally. The Super Bowl kind of just felt odd. But still, even though it was ugly, and I remember I remember at halftime saying, if the Steelers are winning and they're playing this bad, that's a good thing. And then Willie Parker broke that 75-yard run, and the rest is history. The Antoine Randall pass to Heinz Ward, Heinz Ward's MVP. It was a great win, one for the thumb. Uh, there was, It was just... Finally, it was kind of like relief, you know, finally, someone like my father who had seen so much success early on uh, to finally get back was really, really cool. I'll never forget the Sports Illustrated that we got afterwards, and there was a page in there that it had all the years since the NFL existed. It had the Super Bowl wins by the Steelers in the 70s, and then it highlighted 2005 and said, welcome back. And I was like, that's really cool. And then Super Bowl Forty Three. What else is there to be said about Super Bowl 43 that hasn't already been said? I mean, when you think about it, that 27 to 23, which, by the way, Super Bowl 40 was 21-10, Pittsburgh over Seattle. Seattle's still crying about that. I don't want to hear it. Super Bowl 43, believe it or not, Arizona, their fans are still crying about it, saying that San Antonio Holmes' feet weren't down. Uh, I think that this was a game. My brother was at my house. My son was just born in November of 2008. So he's a little baby. Uh, when the Steelers win, and I talked about this previously, the emotion of the moment, I felt like the NFL, with the unending reviews of James Harrison's return, you know, and then Santonio Holmes's play, it, it was just, it kind of overshadowed the moment, but that was, in my opinion, vintage Ben Roethlisberger. Santonio Holmes might have won the MVP, but in my opinion, Ben Roethlisberger was the most valuable player in that game. That drive that he put together, to go down and win the game, and it was predominantly to San Antonio Holmes, was memorable to say the least. And that whole drive, if you want to watch something, don't watch, don't just watch the throw. Go back and watch the whole drive. You can literally go to YouTube and find a video for the entire drive. It was it was remarkable. It was absolutely remarkable. Vintage Big Ben Steelers win twenty seven to twenty three. And then there's the game that irks me the most: Super Bowl forty five. To this day, I have not watched this game again. Have not. And I don't plan on it. And it's a 31-25 Green Bay Packers win. I remember my brother came up uh, at this stage uh, of the game, and my son's a little bit older now. We made homemade Permani Brothers sandwiches for the game. And I remember watching this game in our house, and I was just... It just seemed like, man, they were going to have to find a way to come back, and they started to come back. And then that Rashard Mendenhall fumble, which, by the way, you know, Clay Matthews forces the fumble. Go back. It's a David Johnson whiff block. If he, if he seals the edge, then that is, boy, it, it changes the entire game. But the one play I'll never forget, I don't know why, it was the fourth down play, the last play for the Steelers on offense. Roethlisberger fires the ball to Mike Wallace. It was a little high goes right through his hands, and that's the ball game. And you had to watch Aaron Rodgers doing his stupid belt thing, which drove me up a wall. Never watched that game again, and I don't plan on watching it anytime soon. 
Super Bowl memories. We all have them. For those of you that are older, you probably have a heck of a lot more than I do. But, you know, it's it's you have to wonder, when are they going to get back? When are they going to get back? I talked about that a few podcasts ago about what's it going to take for the Steelers to get back to championship weekend or championship status. This is going to be a huge offseason for that. All right, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to talk about this and a lot more with Michael Beck coming up after the break. But make sure you stay to the end for the heart-to-heart. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Be right back. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment of Let's Ride. It is Friday. That means one thing and one thing only. It's our crazy Canuck time with Blue Check back. Michael Beck, what's going on, Michael? Oh, not too much. Gearing up for uh, one more game of the year. But uh, outside of that, nothing too crazy. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm okay. What is your like? What's what's your vibe right now heading in, heading into this Super Bowl? We're going to talk about our game picks and stuff in a little bit, but just in general, the Super Bowl last game of the year, the Bengals are in it. Like, what 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 are you feeling right now? It's kind of a weird vibe. Like the Rams are the home team, so I feel like that's huge for them. But like, I know this will sound dorky and weird, but the Bengals are playing with like swag. They're like they're playing like a team like possessed. Their just mindset seems to be one that will be hard to beat. The fact the Rams are so talented and are at home, I, I think this is going to be a really good game. And, and really, I, I think either team can win. And that makes it a whole lot more exciting. But again, really don't want to see the Bengals win the Super Bowl. No, I don't either. I've never, I don't understand the fans and say, oh, let's root for the Bengals. Like what? Like I, maybe if, if you're someone that says I'm going to root for the Bengals and maybe you don't take the AFC North as serious as I do, but it doesn't matter. That's fine. Either way, Steelers are not in it. <clears throat> I want to talk to you about Super Bowls. Michael, what's their... In terms of Steelers, is Super Bowl forty your first Super Bowl memory? Um, I think my first Super Bowl memory was the uh, Patriots versus Eagles Super Bowl. Um, not not part two, uh, the one with Donovan McNabb and uh, To playing okay. with, what, like a broken leg or whatever it was. Yep, that was like the first game I could really remember. Specific, honestly, that's probably the first game I, I remember. But uh, Super Bowl forty uh, is definitely one I remember uh, from start to finish and and how uh, all the events occurred. But uh, yeah, th- that uh, definitely was a, a big moment for me. Obviously, being a, a young Steelers fan, but. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I think it was Super Bowl. I want to say thirty. Oh gosh, thirty-eight, thirty-seven. Yep, one of those. Yeah. One of those. Well, let's talk about Super Bowl forty. I talked about it in the first part of my show, of, of this show. Well, what are some of your best memories of that Super Bowl? Oh, obviously the seventy-five yard run is one that sticks out in my mind. Uh, being from the Pacific Northwest and hearing about all the uh, Seahawks fans complaining about. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger's touchdown, uh, whether or not uh, you think he was in or not, doesn't matter. Uh, in the stat sheet, he was. So um, <laughs> that goes out to all my Seahawks friends out there. Anyway, 
that of course the triple reverse flea flicker or double reverse flea flickers uh, like the, the three big plays that everyone remembers from that game of course ike taylor's interception was huge uh jerome bettis getting a couple uh carries in his last game I, I like that was he's my favorite player he's the reason why i am a steelers fan to begin with so um, seeing him one last game, getting the hoist Lombardi, I think that the image of him saying his last stop is right here in Detroit, uh, is probably the biggest one that I can uh, remember from that game. Yeah. You, it wasn't really an exciting game. It, it just, no. it kind of lacked a lot and it were, the officials got involved a little bit too much for my liking. There was that offensive pass interference call in the end zone, which Seahawks fans will still complain about as well. Um, it just was a weird game. It was a weird game, but finally the Steelers found a way to win. Let's go to Super Bowl 43. And I know you talked about some of these in your live mic. I think it was last week. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I started from Super Bowl 44 and moved on past that one. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rightfully so. <laughs> all, the year, all the years they didn't do anything. <laughs> so what outside of the Harrison return and the San Antonio Holmes touchdown, what comes to mind when you think of Super Bowl 43? Gary Russell's touchdown. No, uh, not that play. Um, <laughs> That's a trivia question for a lot of people who scored the first touchdown. Oh, yeah. Super oh, Bowl yeah. 43. It, funny enough, I, I think Jeff Reed, I, I think he got the first points of the game after Ben Roethlisberger had a QB sneak that looked more across the goal line than the, the call in Super Bowl 40. Yep. That's one that I remember, which is weird. Um, I remember, uh, I believe, what, it was Lamar Woodley uh, forcing the fumble at the end of the game to secure victory, falling yep. into, what, Brett Kiesel's arms. Yeah, um, that, that play sticks out to me. I, I remember the play of Santonio Holmes made to set up his uh, toe tapping touchdown. Uh, that one will always uh, stick in my memory as well. Like the, this Super Bowl had a ton of big plays. I remember Larry Fitzgerald scoring and like my heart just sinking. And then the, like that drive. Oh, that oh, to me, that's still the best Super Bowl that's ever happened. Um, people want to argue other games. But to me, oh, man, that, that's number one. Do you think they got the MVP wrong? I, I kind of do like the San Antonio Holmes got the MVP and he was, it was all San Antonio on that final drive. I feel like Ben kind of got hosed on that. You agree or disagree? I, I think it was a three-way race. Um, I, I don't know if you remember James Harrison getting that fumble or excuse me, that's uh, that uh, uh, personal foul at the end of the game. James Harrison's hundred yard pick six was a huge momentum swing, 14 point swing really. Uh, at the end of the half there. That was one of the biggest plays in Super Bowl history. I, I, I think him, um, and then really, like you said, Santonio Holmes, uh, he got like 70 of those 133 yards. Yes, I remember it. Um, uh, basically on that last drive. Uh, and like he did have a fairly good game before that, but uh, it really was Ben's leadership being able to bounce back from what he did. I, really, I think if, uh, if that, that play, that QB sneak I talked about earlier, if he actually fell into the end zone or was ruled a touchdown and wasn't a field goal, that might have been the difference, just a, another TD in, in Ben's uh, stat category, but things would have played out a little bit differently with a few extra points for the Steelers there at the end of the game. But uh, I, I think it worked out okay. Um, the NFL loves giving quarterbacks the uh, MVP. It, it's a pretty fair bet to make. Um, it's more of a surprise when they don't win it, uh, but uh, it's tough. Like, Heinz Ward was obviously going to win that Super Bowl 41. No one else really did anything spectacular. 43, yeah. Like, I think it was a toss-up between Ben and Santonio. Uh, just the way he caught that ball, though, I think it might have swayed voters. I think it was a knee-jerk reaction due to the catch. And then when you look at that play, even in hindsight, that throw was oh, yeah. unbelievable. Ridiculous. And Ben's even said that he thought it was intercepted. Like, he thought so we lost the Super Bowl. They were already in field goal range to send it to overtime if they wanted. 
And he just felt like, oh my goodness, I just threw a pick. And it was just, it was remarkable. I think that if they were to look back, maybe they, have they ever done two people Super Bowl MVP? I don't think they have. But if they have, if, they, if there ever was one, I would say the Super Bowl 43 would have been that one. Um, but I do want to bring up the, the one that you went over. You skipped over Super Bowl 45. To me, I have never watched this game again. I've never seen the highlights of the game again. Um, mm. Certain plays, clearly you see on Twitter or something like that, but I've never, I've never sought this out. We'll put it that way. When you think of Super Bowl 45 against the Green Bay Packers, 31-25 final score, what what plays what what comes to mind? I have actually gone back and rewatched this game because I was curious. Um, of course, because they lost this game, some of the negative plays are the ones that stand out, like Richard Mendenhall's fumble. With that, really, it was a perfect hit from Clay Matthews. Now, hold on, it, now, it, it, hold on, hold on. If you watch that again, David Johnson whiffs on a block. Mm. If he does his job. Watch that play again. If he seals Clay Matthews, if he does his job. That contact never even happens. That's it, 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 that, that, that's probably the difference in the game, too, really. Yeah, it is. I remember the, that. We're on the 22-yard line. I remember that. Yeah. We're on the 22-yard line threatening. Go ahead. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other place I remember, Ben Roethlisberger's pick six. Uh, that one, uh, an empty feeling. Uh, when they're driving to potentially win the game at the end, a la Super Bowl 43 style, uh, that fourth down throw that ended the game uh, that he uh, lobbed over to Mike Wallace that went over his head. I remember that one. That one hurts. Oddly enough, I also remember the two-point conversion uh, that's option play to Antoine randall That one sticks out in my mind that uh, made it a, a three-point game, I think it was, or, or tied the game at that point, whatever it was, um, before Green Bay uh, added on that uh, the field goal. Oh, no, it's to bring the Steelers within two points. Green Bay kicked a field goal the next drive, and the Steelers tried to uh, go for the win and touchdown thereafter, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, yeah, no, I think because they lost the game, the negative play standout. I, I really couldn't tell you all the guys that scored the touchdowns in that game. I, I know Richard Mendenhall got one. Uh, I, I want to say Heinz Ward might have, but, yeah, uh, like the big plays for the Steelers really don't stick out in my mind. Like, I, I remember the Packers touchdowns more. Like, yeah. Jordy Nelson's in the corner of the end zone. Like, those plays stick out more. <laughs> It's James. funny how the outcome of the game is what uh, what uh, will actually stick with you. Yeah, that one sucked. And uh, you weren't alive for in 1995 for the Super Bowl 30, but it was a very similar feeling. Uh, that game, the Steelers were heavy underdogs. And they pulled every trick out of the bag. Onside kick to start the second half. Bill Cowher had that team pumped up. And then Neil O'Donnell's two interceptions to, I believe, Larry Brown. Um, yeah who turned that MVP. He was the MVP of that game. He turned that into a real lucrative contract, I think with the Raiders and did nothing ever again. It was <laughs> the craziest thing ever, but you know what? I, I, I remind Steeler fans, you know, I want to remind Steeler fans a little bit. You well, we're still very fortunate, you know I mean? Even in your life, you've seen them play in three Super Bowls. They've won two of them. Think about what the alternative is. I mean, think about some of these teams that have never been to a Super Bowl fans have never seen their team in the big game. Um, but let me ask you this question, Michael, in your opinion, what is it going to take for the Steelers to get back? That's tough because when I look at this team right now, there, there's a lot that needs to change. Um, and really the state of the NFL, how it is like to me, if you don't have like a top eight quarterback, someone that's in the top quarter of the league at that position, because there's so much pressure and so much needed from your quarterback now. I don't know if you can actually compete for a Super Bowl, even if you're, the rest of your team is loaded. It, it's just 
one of the weird things that like, it's almost as though if you can't find that player, you kind of have to wait for the next transition, that the next era of football, that might be a little less quarterback centric. Uh, who knows if a rule change might change things in, in general, but I know the NFL loves the, the big quarterback numbers. And, and uh, I, I feel like that this is what the game's going to be for a long time. So really it, it comes down to like, obviously having a, a good roster first and foremost, but if you don't have that star quarterback, that, that player that's going to push for MVP awards, it, it feels like you really don't have a chance. Like, look at the Browns team that, quote-unquote, won the offseason. I, I don't know how many times media wanted to say in a row. Like, years in a row, like three <laughs> years in a row. And then they go into the year with Baker Mayfield, and they still stink. Like, it, it's just one of the things. Like, if you don't have a quarterback play, it doesn't matter how good you draft. <laughs> it doesn't matter how good the, the free agents you bring in. It doesn't matter the trades you make. That quarterback, if they stink, it, it holds you back, and it holds you back significantly. So with uh, Ben Roethlisberger hanging him up and uh, not really uh, knowing what's next at the quarterback position, it, it could be a few years before we see this team truly, truly compete for a Super Bowl once again. Um, so it is a little disheartening, but uh, it's still a, a little bit fun to try to figure out where and when uh, that player might actually come into play. So you're saying that the teams of like uh, the Trent Dilfers are not that that does that cannot happen anymore, uh, unless you're featuring a defense that has like eight All Pros. I, I don't even know if that's possible, but like, yeah, I, I I don't even like the way the rules are and the way offenses are built up. Like defense, like defensive players don't like the game is so made for pl- playing on offense putting up points right now and like you saw the Chiefs and Bills game like what 35 points in the last two minutes in the first minute of overtime it just the game's just not set up to play defense anymore even if you're great at it uh, you're probably getting burnt it's just that's just the way the game is sent up so like like I mentioned unless there's like a fundamental change in football again I just can't see a Trent Dilfer led team or a Mason Rudolph led team or a Baker Mayfield led team winning a championship anytime soon. All right. This is going to be a tough question and it's going to require you to really think in the past before your time, even Okay, with Ben Roethlisberger and Tom Brady, both retiring, it it kind of ushers out an era of quarterback. Would you say that in Roethlisberger's time, we're talking about Roethlisberger, Brady, Manning, Breeze, Rivers, the other Manning, um, I could go on with other. Would you say that was the greatest group of quarterbacks for an era of all time? I've thought about this before, and I really think it is. Um, like you think of the seventies, like there, there's a, a few names obviously that pop out. Like at the tail end, you, you got your Joe Montana's coming in, you got your Terry Bradshaws and your Roger Staubachs and Fran Tarkenton at, at the beginning of the decade, like. There were some talented guys, but even then, when, when you go back, at, and obviously it was a different game, very run-heavy game, uh, very uh, like minimal receivers, minimal passing, especially compared to like this era. There just wasn't like, – like the quarterback plays so different. It's kind of hard to say that those guys w- would be or are as good as what we have now. And, you got to go into uh, like the late 80s, early 90s, I think. Yeah, like you, you continue to move forward like John Elway and um, – Montana and Marino, Aikman and Marino. Yeah. Like that that was, that's probably the number two era to me. And then obviously this era that we, that we're living in now with Mahomes and Herbert and Josh Allen, like they still need to write their story. But uh, I I think as these years go on now, 
I, I think the next quarterback era is just going to su- surpass what uh, what was kind of laid upon uh, before them. Uh, so like, if I was going to rank like quarterback tiers by decade, it would probably go back in in year like yearly order, like the 2010s, the the 2000s, 90s, 80s, 70s, et cetera, et cetera. I, like I, I feel like that's just the way the game's kind of been set up. Uh, but yeah, undoubtedly, I think Ben Roethlisberger played in the best era of quarterbacks in the NFL to date. Yeah, and and you know, there's going to be two good ones in the Super Bowl. Let's talk about that game a little bit. The Los Angeles Rams, Cincinnati Bengals. I say hosting because they are technically playing at home. It's it's crazy to me that over 50 years it never happened that a home team stadium was where you played the Super Bowl for that that team that uses that same. Now it's two years in a row. The yeah. Rams. This line has changed. Even as of today, this being recorded on Thursday evening, the the Bengals originally were getting four and a half when the line started. It's gone down to four now to three and a half. The Rams are giving three and a half points. Vegas is obviously seeing something that they don't like. Um, Probably a lot of money going on the Bengals. But Michael, uh, the over under here is 48 and a half. What do you think about this game in the Super Bowl? Oh, that. Oh, man, that is the hardest pick i think i I think there's some talented defensive players on either team but even with that said these offenses are so high powered in the dome like la's at home like the receivers for the bengals they they have three guys that like it doesn't matter how good your starting dbs are like if t higgins is your number three or tyler boyd is your number three someone's going to eat someone's going to have a big day I think there's going to be a lot of scoring in the Super Bowl. I, I don't know if it's going to be like a 48-45, just kind of craziness, like nonstop scoring, last one with the ball wins type game. But I do see both teams playing close to 30 points. Uh, and so I'm going to take the over in this one. Okay. Who, who do you like? Did you say you like the Rams giving three I and still, a half? Yeah. Yeah, I still like the Rams in this game because they're at home and because of the amount of talent they have. This is a hard, hard pick to make, though. Um, like I, I think the talent you can point to the Rams. I think the home field advantage you point to the Rams, but then momentum. The Bengals have a ton of it, and they're playing confident football, and that's hard to gauge. Uh, if the Rams jumped out to a quick lead, that that could bury a young team because this is truly their first real title run or like actual shot at a championship in years and decade, like in my lifetime, really, and. I could see Cincinnati breaking if they fall behind, but if they get up, man, that team, they just play so confident. It's, it's going to be a tight game. I ask myself the extra week, which team does it help? Which team does it hurt? I feel like the Rams, it helps. It gives them an extra week. They're already at home. They're sleeping in their own beds. The Bengals, they were red hot. And then you're, you got to wait around and you're waiting and then you got to travel. And then it's the newness. I'll tell you this. I think the Rams are going to win this game straight up. But if they, if anyone thinks it's going to be a blowout, I just don't see it. I really don't. I think this game is going to be really close. If it was a four and a half spread, I was a guaranteed I was taking the Bengals three and a half because of the hook. I'm going to keep it with the Bengals. I think they are a team. Don't be shocked if the Rams come out hot, but the Bengals have proven throughout the entire postseason that they're just not going to go away. Even if they're down by two touchdowns, they're going to claw their way back. The defense seems to play better in the second half. I like the over 
of 48 and a half, but I like the Bengals actually getting three and a half points. If it were four and a half, I'd love it even more, but I like the Bengals even at three and a half, but I do think the Rams find a way to win. I think this is setting up to be a really, really good game. And then we plunge our way on into <laughs> the postseason. Another offseason. Yep, <laughs> another offseason. But it's not long until we'll have the new league year. We'll have free agent rumors and all that stuff. Uh, and we're going to have a lot to talk about the whole way through it. So, uh, Michael, any final words for our listeners out there? Well, as always, enjoy this game. It's, it's one last game of the year. Uh, you're not going to get real football again until the preseason in August. So, uh, sometime before the next uh, legitimate, and well, if, if you want to go on games that actually count, you got to wait till September. It's February, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, <laughs> enjoy this game. Uh, regardless of what happens, just enjoy it. it. It's one more chance. It's a, it's a chance to celebrate football. The Super Bowl should be a special day. It is to me, uh, regardless of who's playing in it. So uh, enjoy it. Uh, and hopefully the Steelers can uh, make some right moves and be back soon. There you go. Michael, as always, enjoy the game. Thanks for your time, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, my pleasure, Jeff. Talk to you then. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, as always, a big thank you to Michael Beck. I always appreciate him taking the time out of his busy schedule uh, up there in, in Canada, Canuckland, whatever you want to call it, uh, for being on the show every Friday. We always appreciate his time. I want to finish this out on Friday like I always do, and that's with a heart-to-heart. And I, I want to make something very clear. As I've said, I said it earlier in the podcast, I've said it on multiple shows before, I am a Pittsburgh fan. I am not just a Steelers fan, I am a Pittsburgh fan. I like the Penguins, like the Pirates, and I like the Steelers. And each one of those teams has a very near and dear place in my heart. For instance, the first team that I actually fell in love with was the Pittsburgh Pirates. I still remember the 1990s, the early 90s Pirates, back before Barry Bonds was on steroids, when Bobby Bonilla wasn't getting paid by the Mets, I could tell you the whole Robbie Bell, Don Slot, Jeff King, Andy Van Slyke uh, was my favorite player. Uh, oh my goodness, the, the pitching staff with John Smiley, Tim Wakefield, Doug Drabeck, they were just so good. Stan Belinda coming out of the pen. That was the first team that I actually really fell in love with. I loved that team, and they broke my heart. Still hate the Atlanta Braves to this day. But the one thing I always think about is how lucky I am and how lucky we are to be Pittsburgh fans. Now, I know not, not everyone listening likes all those teams. You might just be a Steeler fan, and that's fine. You might like other teams, and that's 100% okay. But for me, I think back how lucky I am to be a Pittsburgh fan. In my life, I've seen the Steelers in four Super Bowls, and they've won two. In my life, I've seen the Pittsburgh Penguins in six Stanley Cup finals, and they've won five. I remember those early 90s cup runs with a very young Mario Lemieux, which was so awesome to watch. Uh, and then Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. I've never seen the Pirates win a, a, a World Series, and I might not. I think back to my dad. My dad, who's seen all the Steelers Super Bowls, all the Penguins Stanley Cups, and has even seen, a World, I think, two World Series wins in his lifetime. We, even as just Steelers fans, are very fortunate. We follow a team that is successful. Can they hoist the Lombardi every year? Well, no, no one does that every year. There's a reason why six Super Bowls and the NFL has been in existence over 100 years. That is the mark by the Patriots and the Steelers. Six, not 60. This isn't baseball at the Yankees. Six. In a league that's built around parity, the fact that the Steelers continually win year in and year out, 
we should all be thankful. We should all be lucky, feel like we are lucky that we root for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Keep that in the back of your head the next time you're ready to bash this organization, bash this team, and that is, you know what? It could be a heck of a lot worse. They could, you could be a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. Think about how down they would be every single year. You know, that their their only hope is the NFL draft. After that, all downhill. The Steeler fans, no, not that way. All right, folks, that does it for me. Thank you for hanging out with us on this Friday. I hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. I will be back on Monday to talk about all things Steelers. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to record before the Super Bowl or after. I'm not sure if I want to, if the Bengals win, I really don't want that to leak into the podcast. So maybe I'll record early. But anyways, I'll be back on Monday either way. Have a great weekend. As we always finish it out, be safe, be kind, and God bless. Go Steelers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.